0: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen.
1: Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to Episode 9 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I am super excited to have with me Simcha Gluck, the co-author of the game-changing book, The New Entrepreneurs, Changing the Way You Play Life. Simcha is a serial entrepreneur, musician, snowboarder, family man, and was the radio talk show host of Innovation Nation. Simcha has worked with over 50,000 people around the globe through his Fresh Biz game-based training programs, which focus on teamwork, leadership, creativity, and innovation. Simcha, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
0: Thanks for having me today.
1: So I've been really looking forward to this interview. Why don't you share with us your personal story and basically where it all began?
0: When you say where it all began, what does it refer to?
1: I mean, basically you. I want to know a bit more about you. What's your background? Just talk us through. What was yeah. it like growing up in Simple Shoes?
0: Okay, sure. So I'm going to tell you, uh, I guess, briefly, I grew up in the US. I was born in Virginia, moved to Maryland, but really spent most of my life growing up in New York. I'm the oldest of three children. I have two parents. And uh, I'm saying that just because I grew up in a really in a really good family, uh, which is, I think, very special. It's not too common, unfortunately. But I have a really good family and uh, really amazing parents. And I spent, uh, you know, it's really funny, but I spent a lot of my life sort of, I didn't know it back then, but being an entrepreneur in my own way, whether it was selling donuts out of my locker or baseball cards and basketball cards, also, and you know, went through school, did things the way that uh, everybody does stuff, you know. Mm. And it took me a while to realize that 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 I was a little different, you know. I I, I always liked to do my own thing. I was always very independent. It took me a while to, to realize that I wasn't rebellious. I was independent. So it's not I right. didn't feel that I needed to like be pissed at things and be upset at things. I just really like blazing my own trail. Mm-hmm. It was in Queens College that I went to that i that I started going into media studies and marketing and business. I realized that I was very good at copywriting. I liked the whole world uh, of advertising and marketing. And a few people told me that it's a very competitive world not to get into. And, and I think that it might have scared me off a little bit. But I wound up going into business. And uh, actually, around Queens College, I was doing all sorts of very uh, interesting odd jobs. Everything from <laughs> everything from being a, f- a photographer support person for like weddings Mm -hmm. to actually being a hip hop dancer doing bat mitzvahs and sweet 16s back in the day, which is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it was towards the end of college that I met my wife, Rachel. And Rachel had this very unique job where basically she was a direct sales representative selling a really high quality line of houseware products Mm -hmm. and uh, making really good commissions. So I remember you know just asking Rachel to hook me up and she did. The two of us basically sold Cutco knives to put ourselves through Queens College. We even got college credit for it. It was really interesting, and um, when we graduated, we were given the opportunity to actually run an office for the company. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, twenty-four and twenty-three years old, basically running an office, selling hundreds, if not millions, of dollars of products with about five to six hundred college student sales reps that we recruited and trained and managed every year. Did
1: million millions of dollars in sales selling knives. Yeah. Online.
0: Yeah. Cool. Our last year, we did $1.3 million. Uh, oh, you're still doing it? No, no. Our last year, I'm saying. before oh, your
1: last year was $1.3 million? Yeah. yeah. Wow. The Why year, did you stop?
0: We stopped because we chose to move to Israel, actually, and be part of the startup nation. Cool. So that was about nine years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. But a really cool company, amazing, great perks, great sales. They flew us to all sorts of very cool places for hitting our sales quota. But it was exhausting, and we talk a little bit about it in our book, *The New Entrepreneur: Is the Difference, the Distinction Between Working Hard and Working Smart*. Mm-hmm. And I think that back then <laughs> we learned the lesson of how to work hard. Right. We grinded it and busted it out, and it was exhausting. And I definitely learned about my threshold for capacity, which is which is amazing. But nowadays, in everything I do, I first ask the question: How can we do this smarter? How can we get? some leverage. And uh, anyways... Here we are. Nine years later, moved to Israel, the startup nation. Got into the world of real estate. Got into to the world of training, coaching, self-development. And about five years ago, just from being at a networking event, somebody invited me to go to a fresh biz game-based workshop, and I Sorry. did. Well, and it was pretty awesome. Okay, and uh, I played this game that Ronen Goffney created, and it was just a brilliant game, a really cool workshop. Kept working on my thinking, and I remember leaving, turning to, to my wife Rachel, saying, "Look, you know, uh, this was a really cool experience. I know." that I'm going to for sure be one of their trainers out there in the world. This is a cool thing. I want to be a part of it. And uh, what wound up happening just in 10 seconds or less is when Ronan was actually ready to take the company global, he wound up asking me to co-found the company with him. And I went from being a trainer to being a co-founder of the company on this mission the past five so, so, years.
1: Hold on one second. So Ronan, he led this workshop. How many years was he running it at that time?
0: Well, it was interesting because uh, Ronan spent about five years developing the Fresh Biz okay. game. This workshop was, I think, the first or second workshop ever in Israel in English.
1: So let me get this straight. He's he he'd been developing this for five years. He's been running the workshop. You're one of how many participants that he's probably run the game by? Oh, a lot. A lot, right. A okay. lot.
0: Hundreds, if not thousands. Hundreds, yeah.
1: if not thousands. What I'm trying to get my head around is he's now thinking, okay, I need a co founder. Why'd he pick you?
0: Mm, interesting. So. I guess what I would just say is, is um, you know, it took a little bit of time for the game to go from the original language that it was in, which was Hebrew to English. Okay. And once it did, I think Vernon liked the fact that I had experience in sales and marketing, that I'd really been in the world of training and, and, and coaching for a while. And I think he really just got that the sum total skill set. And just also, I was really passionate about it also from the mission. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really passionate. I got great contacts back in the US being part of this big marketing company and things like that. So I think that he got that there was a lot more than just my pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> and it wound up being it wound up being a really a really good choice in his part, and I was just super excited to get that phone call.
1: Okay, so I just finished reading your book that you co-authored with Ronan. It was incredible in so many ways. Um, Thanks. And you know what's amazing is that <laughs> this book was sitting in my office for the last three months. I picked it up maybe once or twice, had a quick look at it. It looked intriguing, but like I don't know, I'm busy. I, another book, you know? Okay, big deal. Put it down, and I never really looked at it again. Then um, you reached out to me. We got in touch and I thought it'd be great to have you on the show. And I thought, okay, i got to read his book before I interview you because, you know, i got to know a bit more about you. And also, I just want to say that I've read your book. Like, you know, I want to say, oh, I didn't read your book. But you know what? I read the book and I absolutely loved it. I literally couldn't put it down. And I just want to focus on a few key points that you mentioned in the book. So you mentioned that entrepreneurship is no longer just about business, but it's actually a whole new mindset. What do you mean by that?
0: Mm, Okay, good. So yeah, you know, very often when you speak about entrepreneurship, or you read about it, it's very often the world that they cover is the world of startups and the world of venture capitalists and the pitch and Shark Tank. And you Mm -hmm. get into this whole world that's sort of this very sexy, glam type of what, what, what being this cool entrepreneur looks like. And there's something to be said for that. It's, it's true. The book and our philosophy is training people, no matter what their demographic or no matter what they do in life, to be what we call an entrepreneurial thinker. Mm-hmm. An entrepreneurial thinker is someone who, who looks to build a smarter, faster, and better world. Entrepreneurial thinking, the way that we define it, is simply the ability to turn ideas into reality. So it doesn't matter to what level. It could mm-hmm. be you know, you as a creative parent opening up your fridge and seeing that there's nothing inside, but still needing to provide dinner or lunch, <laughs> and just weaving together ingredients in a very cool way. Well, you're an entrepreneurial thinker, taking different ingredients to make something that's beautiful, presentable, and edible, essentially, for your family. Been there, done that? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. We've all been there, done that as parents, right? So we talk about that where we're going as a world is that we really need to become skilled at being what being an entrepreneurial thinker knowing that we have the resources knowing that if we don't we can certainly leverage them we can ask the right questions we can reach out to the right people essentially knowing and understanding with our full heart that we have access to more than anything we've ever had in our entire life we just know how to we just need to know how to ask the right questions and how to look for it mm-hmm. so entrepreneurial thinking is a skill and it's a gift and it's a muscle that we believe one can develop over time. And cool. if it's manifest in building businesses, great. If it's manifest in being a better parent or a better teacher. That's also amazing. But it's a mindset.
1: Cool. And you also speak about serious playfulness. Can you talk a little bit about what that means?
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think you mentioned before that you're very into games. I uh, <laughs> Sure. I'm into games also. And you know what's interesting is that when you play a game, okay, obviously the goal is you want to win the game for sure. Okay? Absolutely. But you know that even if you want to win the game, you really want to have fun doing it. Right. So if you ever watch anybody play a game, they're really serious about it. They really (laughs) want to hit their their goal. They want to hit their mission. They want to win. But at the same time, they're... Playing a game. So it's fun. It's serious playfulness. I'm really serious. The fact that I want to win, but the co- context of it all is that I'm playing a game. And, you know, we run a game based training company, and our philosophy is that life is the ultimate time based game. So all these people who are so damn serious in life, I get it. You know, I'm not trying to say that it's a joke. It's not a joke, but it's the goal is that once you realize that life is a game and business is a game and parenthood is a game, essentially, there's all game mechanics around it, okay, then let's have some fun. Let's have some serious playfulness. Let's try and win our own game, but do it in a really playful and fun way.
1: So getting to that game, so you created a board game called Fresh Biz, right? First of all, can you briefly explain and describe A, how you play it, what the purpose of the game is, and also how the idea came about.
0: Well, I'll tell you like this. Ronan spent, like I said before, five years developing this Fresh Biz game. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he did so is because he's been an entrepreneur his whole life. And he just felt that there really aren't real aspects of what real business and entrepreneurship look like in a game. Everyone's used to Monopoly, Monopoly. right? Of course, you know, (laughs) and Monopoly, when you speak to people, Monopoly, for the most part, it's a pretty boring game. It's very one-dimensional. You just kind of sit there waiting for it to be your turn again. And when it is your turn, your goal is to destroy everybody else financially, make the most money possible, (laughs) and hopefully it doesn't take you three years and four days to complete the game. Right? right? Because it's long. Right. Well, that's a very sort of one dimensional aspect of game. And unfortunately, (laughs) media nowadays really conveys to people that they just want to focus on how much money they have and the lifestyle and the bling. But more and more people, we call them the new entrepreneurs, are getting to a place where they really just they want to do purpose driven things. Money is just one dimension of several thousands of dimensions that they want to win in life life. Mm-hmm. The game of Fresh Biz, there's many different aspects to it. So you can build businesses. The goal basically is to go from the start to the island and to get to the winner spot on the island. And like I mentioned before, it's a time-based game. Mm-hmm. So you can't play for three years. You got to literally, it's over in 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Oh, okay. And in order to get from the first section to the last section of the game, there's different tolls that you have to pay along the way. So you have to generate funds to be able to cross over, but the goal is to just get to the winner spot on the island. So in order to do that, here's the thing. You have to flex all sorts of interesting entrepreneurial muscles, such as collaboration, creativity, innovation. How do I use my resources? How do I use someone else's resources? Am I allowed to? Okay, so, right. Can I, I roll the die? Can I can I do different things above and beyond just the environment that we're in? And that's really one of the I think one of the basic definitions of entrepreneurship is you have to know what game you're playing and then you can learn how to hack the game also. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of different things at play. And Daniel, when we're playing Fresh Biz, if it's your turn and you're doing stuff, guess what? I don't just have to sit there and wait. I could I could do things as well. During so, my turn? Of course.
1: I'm not going to let you do stuff. In oh, that.
0: I promise you that you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know life is a multi-dimensional game and so is the game of fresh biz and Uh we we actually have a saying that life doesn't take turns so you got to just play what you got when you got it Uh and i think that you know very often when you play a game like monopoly it's just you know when you play a game like monopoly it trains people that they have to wait their turn to go do stuff Uh and life isn't about turns you got to just when you see something you got to act and you got to be proactive in making it happen well i like that yeah in
1: fact there are a lot of are so many concepts that really resonated me with me sorry while reading your book one of them is called win to the winth power is it really possible for everyone to win i mean surely in business in games and in life in general it's naturally competitive and not everybody wins that's just the nature of it
0: yeah, so what I'll tell you is that my question for you is, is it true that that really is the nature of it? And what I mean by that is, you know, we've been brought up in a society that's very much based on the Industrial Revolution, where there was only X number of hours in a day, and we needed to turn and create X number of products every single day. But when you look at what the internet has done, and you look at the world of speed, and you see what people are thinking and how people are thinking, we're, you know, we're, we're getting into space, and you have Elon Musk working on the Hyperloop, and we've just discovered that gravity has waves. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing things that that we've never seen before and what that does for us is it totally expands our paradigm and what I mean by that is there's endless resources now and the world is a, a bigger place than ever before Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, Daniel, can win your game as long as you know what that is. And so can this person and this person and this person and this person. So can everybody else. So
1: everybody can win the game when they're playing the Everyone game. Everyone
0: can win the game that they're playing. Now, if you want to look at an industry and say, oh, yeah, well, what about Uber and the whole taxi industry, uh-huh. for example, Great, right? That's point. a pretty competitive market, right? Yeah. You know, Uber is cannibalizing the taxi market. And what's that about? Right. Look, you know, when it comes to industries, we're in a world that's changing so rapidly that if you're not innovative, if you're not creative, you're going to fall by the wayside, It's called creative destruction. You know, essentially, literally industries are dying and new industries are being born. But once we talk about the fact that new industries are being born, okay, each person can really win the game that they want to play in life. And I mean that, meaning, you know, even someone, if he's a marketing person, okay, so let's be real for a second. How many clients can he possibly have? Mm. just on a very right. real level. You, right. you, you can't service everybody, mm. right? You know, when I run workshops around the world, I mean, I can't be everywhere at the same time. So I anyways have to have partners. I have to have what we call smartnerships with people. I have to do things that give me leverage so that other people can win their game in a way that makes sense for them.
1: Can you give me an example, just one one example of how it has played out in your life, the win to the winth power, leveraging other
0: people? Yeah, computers. sure. I'll tell you like this, you know, win to the winth power is the idea of expanding the possibility of winning for everybody. Right. So uh, we created our Company Freshbiz, and you know, you mentioned before that we've taken close to fifty thousand people around the world through our game-based trainings. We do that by empowering leaders to join our mission. Uh-huh. So, in other words, we have close to about a hundred trained trainers around the world that can deliver the Freshbiz game and workshops. Um, as a matter of fact. Over the past two months, we actually trained twelve new training companies around the world in different exclusive companies, mm-hmm. where now they are basically running fresh biz in their area. So China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and how many countries is it? We're now in close to about fifteen. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's uh it's pretty awesome. And what I I mean by that is, you know, our game and our book now allows other training companies to have a whole new platform than. That they, that they didn't have before. It allows them to reach a whole new demographic. It allows them to bring gamification and game based training and entrepreneurial thinking into their toolbox that they were missing before. So it really just, just, just by coming out with this and by translating this into different languages, it opens up opportunities for people around the world. That's just on the side of the training company. Mm-hmm. Then you think about the people, for example, now in China mm-hmm. that are able to go through a fresh biz workshop, what it does for their, for their life, what it does for their thinking, what it does in terms of how it expands how they view their business.
1: So that's a very, sort of that's a big example okay let's take it down to sort of mo- a more small scale example i actually like the example you gave in the book about mm. this the story with taking a son for a walk yeah do you mind sharing that
0: yeah sure so here's here's multi-dimensional thinking or went to the wind power in a very in a very cute way i guess mm-hmm. it took my wife and i a long time to have kids and when we did family and children became a very special value to us and uh you know each day i would take my son for a walk every morning for about an hour. And you know, as I was doing it, I was just thinking about what's actually happening here. I was mindful. What am I doing right now? And it occurred to me that I'm winning several games. Not only am I spending an hour of quality time with my son, which is special to me, but we get to also go ahead and I get to be out there in the sun. So mm-hmm. I get to feel healthful and have vitamin D. Get an hour of walking the mountains in Jerusalem where I live. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's great fitness. So here I am. I'm doing fitness while well, getting some sun, while well, getting some vitamin D, while, while, while just being out there. Mm-hmm. And I was excited because to me it said okay, simply, you're doing this really smart. You're winning a lot of different aspects. And then a part of me chimed in for a second and said, hey, I wonder if I can get paid to do this. Get paid to walk your son. Sure. I wonder (laughs) if I can get paid to walk my son for an hour each day. (laughs) Now, let me just say this for starters. You don't have to monetize everything you do in life. It's okay to just enjoy a passion because you're passionate about it. But I'm a fresh bizzer. So I wanted to ask the question and see if I can come up with a way to get paid for this. Mm So. I was thinking about it and I went home that day. My wife is a successful real estate agent and I said to her I said Rachel, you know, it occurred to me while I'm taking our son for a walk every single day, why don't you just give me flyers advertising <laughs> your real estate services and each day I'll just do a whole new block. Amazing. Well, I did this. I did this for about for about a half a year. Okay. And looking looking at it, we basically realized that Rachel brought in one extra deal every other month. By me walking my son, so essentially I figured out a way to basically bring in roughly an extra three thousand dollars almost every single month three thousand dollars a month just
1: by walking a son right. and having one idea of how to monetize that exactly it's incredible
0: it is incredible and and, and what I would just challenge your listeners is think about. The routines that you have, think about the things you're already doing in life, how just adding one new element that wasn't there before can just make all the difference in your day.
1: Right. It's amazing. And in the game, you have what's called action cards. So how does it work exactly the action cards?
0: Yeah. In the game, every player is dealt five action cards to start with. There's 24 in the whole game and. Each one is unique and totally different. And I guess the analogy in real life is, you know, very often we have these very, very valuable treasures of currency called action cards. Mm-hmm. And we just we're so taught to only focus on how much money we have that we forget everything else, which is ridiculous. So, you know, a player when they play the game the first couple times basically, they're so focused on how much money they have and they think, Oh man, I only have have a million dollars. I guess I can't cross over to the next section. Mm-hmm. I guess I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that. And they don't realize that they're sitting with these action action cards where, you know, if I play one action card where it says collect the profit of your most profitable business. Well, Mm -hmm. here's the thing, Daniel, maybe for me, my most profitable business is a million dollars and I play it and all of a sudden I get a million dollars, right? That's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Now, if I'm not looking at my action cards, then I just think that I'm broke. But meanwhile, I have a car that's worth at least a million dollars. Now, wait a second. If I'm a little creative, if I zoom out for a second, if I understand the fact that access trumps ownership, or it's more important for me to have access to things and ownership of it, then I could stop and realize, wow, you know, I collect the profit of my most profitable business. That's a million bucks. But you, Daniel, your most profitable business is $2.8 million. Mm Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Okay. Why don't you take my card? Why don't you collect $2.8 million? Just give me $2 million. You keep $800,000 for being the broker. And now we literally just expanded the pie for everybody present just by seeing a bigger picture. So,
1: what are your action cards in real life? What are your action cards?
0: This would need to be at least a seven day interview. <laughs> You know, no. You know, when you think about it, let's rephrase the question. Okay,
1: name me three action cards that you have. Uh, Three action cards. Money.
0: Sure. One is I have an an incredible family that's supportive and loving and gets my mission. Why Um, is
1: that an action card in the game of business? Why is that an action card?
0: Yeah. If I didn't have a supportive. If, if I didn't have a supportive family, mm-hmm. then you know starting off this business with friends and family loans, for example, that would have never been there. Nobody mm-hmm. would have ever wanted to buy in. Essentially, okay. If I didn't have you know a wife who's on board with my mission, mm-hmm. then these past three months when I literally traveled to Brazil, Vietnam, and Thailand to open up new countries, mm-hmm. that would have never happened because my wife could have said, "You're not, you're not leaving me with the kids by myself." That's that, that's <laughs> what are you kidding me? What for? What for this game? Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. So family is a real action card. It allows me to live the life that I. Can live. Okay. That's amazing. I'd say a different action card I have is that I speak a couple of languages. I speak English and I speak Hebrew. So it allows me to be able to do trainings and workshops to network and meet great people in two totally different cultures and two, two totally different languages. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And I say that the third action card that I have is that I ran this company for about five years before moving to Israel. And the number of talented leaders and managers literally across the US mm-hmm. that we're friends with because of this sort of fraternity, if you will, uh-huh. that I'm still close to, I'm I'm still connected to it. I'm still doing things with. That's a massive action card. And it leads to just many more doors.
1: Well, wow. I love the line in the book. It says, the games that we are all taught to play in life might not be the right ones. Can you give me an example of a game that you were taught to play that wasn't right for you?
0: Mm, good question. The Game of Nine to Five. Okay. That's not the right game for me. You know, I remember growing up and seeing seeing my parents, you know, working really hard. My dad would wake up every single morning at about five o'clock in the morning to take the train to the city. He'd come home at six or seven o'clock at night and it worked for him. He liked it. He loves what he does. But I remember thinking, going, man, if that's what responsible looks like, I don't want to ever be responsible. <laughs> and it wasn't that, you know, one is responsible, and one is not responsible, right? The only thing about being responsible is it looks like you take care of your family, right? It doesn't matter how you do it, right? And I think that working nine to five for 60 years for someone else, not allowing me to have self-expression or creativity and just having to do something because I have to do something, that's just, that's just not the right game for me. And I, and I just chose to recognize that for what it is. And I just chose to change it by becoming an entrepreneur. So
1: you changed to play a different game,
0: right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, you say also in your book that money is a game. You win some, you lose some. But to some people who are struggling to put food on the table, they may not see it as a game. What would you say to them?
0: Yeah, sure. I get it. You know, when I say game, I don't mean that it's all fun and it's just amazing because as entrepreneurs, we know sometimes it's challenging. You know, sometimes it's dry. Okay, Sometimes it's a dry season and that's really what's going on. And um, what I would just say is money is a game. And therefore, when you understand that it's a game, you can say to yourself, okay, well, if it's a game, how do I become a better player? How do I upgrade my skills? What tools can I use? How do I upgrade my mindset so that I play a better game? Mm-hmm. If you just are, you know, if someone's in a place where they're just broke and they're just broke the fact that they're broke, <laughs> then they could be unfortunately in this in this mindset where they just they feel like they're a victim. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, all these rich people, oh, it's poor me. And I get that we we've all been there before, but a victimized mindset stays at the bottom. And then it looks to ascribe blame to people and upset, and it, it doesn't make them better. It just mm-hmm. gives them a more reason why to stay down. And when we can graduate to a level of responsibility responsibility where we take actions and we're responsible for what we do, that's great. But when we can ascend beyond that to a level of entrepreneurial thinking where we understand, I don't have to wait for stuff to happen. I don't have to be broke. It's a choice. Um, If I don't want to be, then what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? Who Who do I need to talk to to help me shift the game to make it a winning game as opposed to a losing game? And I think that these are the right questions in my mind to ask to be able to change the game that they play.
1: So why did you choose games? In other words, why do you think that playing a game is the best way to learn life skills?
0: Mm. Well, I'll tell you something interesting. The more and more research that's done on a, on a psychological level, tracking the neurons of the body and the connections of how people think and how people learn and how people get better. One of the things that you'll find is that experiential learning is way more powerful than just a teacher in front of a classroom teaching someone about a concept. And what happens in a game is when you play a game, it rewires your brain. You start thinking differently. And what happens, and it's really interesting, is you can actually trick the brain. So in other words, you know, if we talk about, you know... Just imagine that you were a kid in school and your teacher was writing on a chalkboard and all of a sudden oh, your God. teacher goes ahead and that nail scratches oh, across no, the chalkboard. Oh. Right. If you're like me, we, <laughs> we all just got goosebumps. Yeah. But it's crazy to think that we just got goosebumps when there is no teacher, there is no chalkboard, and there is no board. But we're physiologically trained to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. So when you get people playing a game, what happens is you get them working. you get them working skills that they didn't realize that they even knew that they could necessarily. And then all of a sudden they go out to life and they go, oh, okay, let me just play an action card right here or let me just throw the die or let me just look for a quantum leap. Let me just go do this and it it becomes second nature to them. What's a quantum leap? A quantum leap is the idea that instead of constantly rolling the die and moving forward in a linear fashion, Mm -hmm. a quantum leap is when you understand that you can go way further than you ever thought possible with less energy Hmm. if you just really look for it.
1: Which is interesting because if you see a lot of successful entrepreneurs, you know, they just seem to be able to start businesses much quicker, much faster, grow them much quicker, much faster without, without any effort. Whereas people who are sort of starting out, it takes a long time. In a sense, I feel like the more you, the more you are experienced and the more you leverage the quicker you move. And I guess that's also an idea of of quantum leap.
0: Yeah, sure. Look, entrepreneurial thinking is a muscle. So seasoned entrepreneurs, they have it as a muscle. Mm -hmm. But let's not pretend a few things. You know, we we never see the behind the scenes, right? It's like you see the person winning the gold medal. You don't see the eight hours a day of practice that they practice every single day that led to that. Mm -hmm. So that's very often out there also. We celebrate, unfortunately, just the successes without all the hard work and all the smart work that goes into creating that. But I really believe that it's a muscle. And I think that we can all get Better at it, and keep in mind. I wanted to say this even back when you asked the question about someone who's broken doesn't feel like life is a game. Mm-hmm. Right? Is one of the things the way that we see life is we see life as just a movie. OK, and if you just focus on just the frame, mm-hmm. a frame or, you know, in this one scene, it might be really depressing. You're like, oh, crap, these people, they're starving. They, they can't feed their kids. But it's a frame. And if, you know, in the context of a movie, it has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that we all can go ahead and we're all powerful enough, especially in today's world, we could all choose to have that our life has a happy ending to it.
1: Amazing. I would say probably one of the, my favorite lines in your book is there's always a price to pay. The question is whether we're paying it to fulfill our dreams or maintain our fears. What practical tips can you share with our listeners to overcome their fears and go for their dreams? Mm,
0: I think it starts by looking at things. I think it starts by asking again the right question. You know, The question of, in life, what am I meant to do? What game do I want to play? Who do I want to be? What does winning look like for me? And there is always a price to pay. It always costs something, whether it's money or time or energy or humiliation or embarrassment or any of those things. Mm-hmm. It always costs something to get to the next level. But the question is, Do we choose to pay the price to go to the next level or to go back a level? Right, And um, I think it's important to really be focused on where we want to go. You know, there's a book by Price Pritchett called U Squared. And in it, he talks about this idea. And this is sort of, you know, where we got this from. But he talks about the idea that very often people think that what they're doing in life, you know, working at this job, they're, they're safe. And therefore for the idea of starting something of their own, well, that's a big risk. So it's just like, well, if I compare the fact that I'm safe now to a risk out there, why the heck would I ever go start a business if it's risky? Mm-hmm. But he says it's actually false. The real comparison is that when you're working at quote-unquote a safe job, that has its own set of risks. You risk being unfulfilled. You risk not having self-expression. You risk being out of a job tomorrow. You risk the whole economy collapsing. There's all sorts of risks associated with that also. So essentially, you're just choosing a new set of risks. Mm -hmm. When you look at life as, okay, well, I'm just choosing a a new set of risks. I'm going to pay a price either way. and let's pay the price to realize my dreams as opposed to just be stuck in a quagmire. Right. You met with...
1: Uri Levine, the co-founder of Waze, who sold out to Google for more than a billion dollars. What was the main thing you learned from him?
0: I loved his passion. I loved his vision. I love the fact that he really took chances. I mean, the idea, and he really explained this to us, the idea of, of, of taking Waze taking a GPS and crowdsourcing it to people, mm-hmm. like letting people essentially be responsible for plotting maps and roads on a on a map. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy thing. And then essentially, you know, having to come up with engaging ways that people are even going to go ahead and drive on roads. So they gamified it. They put little sort of uh, little points on roads that were never traveled before. So people would go on these roads and they would get points, that then they can upgrade into better machines that they're driving around in the GPS app. Very and cool. I, I think I was just really excited about his passion and his vision for... For how, to, for how to trust the crowd to create a GPS. It was just brilliant.
1: And it's funny because, you know, everybody thought, well, what could be better than Google Maps? You know, Google Maps was everything. I don't need anything else until Waze came along. And now it's just like, what would I do without Waze? You know,
0: I think that it was Ford that said, if I would have asked people for what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm-hmm. And that was before, obviously, he came out with the car. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: Right. One quote that it said, one of the quotes from your book Know that a real lifestyle is not about having more, it's about becoming more. What does becoming more mean to you?
0: It means investing more in ourselves than we do in sources that are out there. In other words, you know, very often sort of we've been trained in a way where we think that, you know what, let's just invest in our house so that if all else fails, we'll at least have our house. Mm -hmm. Let's invest in our 401k. So if all else fails, we'll have our 401k. But when we do that, we're trusting outside sources that may or may not have our best interest in mind. When we invest in ourselves, it looks like, you know, learning new skills. It looks like going to workshops, going to trainings, going to seminars, getting people who could be our mentors so we can really shorten our learning curve. Mm -hmm. It looks in terms of you know learning new languages or developing a new mindset or being sharper. I think that ultimately, Daniel, investing in ourselves is the best investment we possibly can do in life. Obviously, we're both dads, so certainly investing in our children is a very, very worthwhile goal too. But here's the whole thing. You got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on anybody else. And I view this the same exact way. I, I have to be the best person I possibly can be And here's the thing, in this fast-paced world, there really is no such thing as making it. It's like, okay, I got it. Now I understand sales and marketing. I made it. Mm -hmm. Well, sales and marketing can shift tomorrow. (laughs) And then either I can cry victim or I can (laughs) learn to be adaptable and I could mastered again right so it's about this process of evolution where we're just getting better investing in ourselves to be the best people we possibly can be it's
1: incredible i'm a huge fan of richard branson it's actually my mission one of my missions to actually pick his brain one day in your book you mentioned that your one of your missions in 2014 was to play your fresh biz game on richard's private island has it happened yet
0: well if we said 2014 then that was a fail (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So scratch that.
0: Our goal is to get there eventually. Okay. And uh, How our, far off are we? You know something? It's a great question. I really can't say. I really have no idea when that quantum leap is going to happen. We always put it out there for people because we just think that our game is literally the game of entrepreneurs. And Richard Branson is the entrepreneur of entrepreneurs. So we're excited right. for it to happen. But I will tell you a cool story just from putting it out there and hoping. Okay? okay. We are the first company in the Middle East to be part of the Game Changers 500 list. I think that we're the only training company on this very cool list. Of- what,
1: what is the Game Changers? 500 list
0: the game changer 500 list is a barometer of success for for new types of companies Mm -hmm. in other words fortune 500 used to be the old barometer for success based on only money okay game changers 500 is based on you know if you're winning for for on an ecological level, for your employees, for just all the things that a lot of the new entrepreneurs care a lot more about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Andrew Hewitt, who gave a TED talk about it, who founded the company, sent me an email one day saying, "Hey, Sim, you know, if you're in New York, I want to invite you. Richard Branson, uh, Richard Branson's having a get together with leaders that are all part of this thing called Plan B." Wow! Plan B is like Plan A failed. Let's get to Plan B so we can <laughs> save the planet. You want to go? I'm like, Are you kidding me? Of course I want to go. Right. So he goes, Awesome. Uh, I sent you the the invitation. Just ask this girl Wendy. She's going to take care of you. Okay. I show up the next day at this gorgeous place in the city. I tell Wendy I'm there. She goes, Sure. I have you. You're already set. I go in and literally, I'm one of I don't know, maybe like a hundred people, including the heads of some of the top companies, literally in the wow. world. And uh, I get there and and as I'm sitting there, you know, as part of this crowd of hundred people, Richard Branson gets on stage, this tall, classy, good-looking man, right? except up there on stage <laughs> with two or three other people. And I'm going, oh my God, I'm, I'm in a room with Richard Branson. This is like, how did this even happen? Are you kidding me? Uh And then he does this thing and he talks a little bit and then he sits down and he sits down in the front row about six rows in front of me. Uh So I'm saying to myself, there's no way that I'm just going to walk out of here today without making contact with him. So I spent a little time sort of plotting where he's going to leave the building (laughs) and go ahead. I brought a book with me. I wrote a little note and a part of me is wondering if I have the chutzpah, the audacity right, to maybe send him a note to just pass it a few rows in front of me. Sounds
1: like high school. Yeah, exactly, right?
0: (laughs) No spitballs but passing notes you know i'm just like i don't know if i want to pass a note like that it might not be perceived the right way (laughs) Anyways, as they're wrapping up the event, I wrote a note to Richard. I got a book also. And I literally walk, I make a beeline. What, what book to,
1: was this? What do you mean a book?
0: A copy of my book, The New Entrepreneur. Oh, your, co- your yeah, book? Yeah, sure. You I wanted to know that, that we're talking about him, that. Sweet. We want to meet him. I want to get to the island. Hustle, man. <laughs> you got to take chances, you know? Yeah. So so I literally make a beeline. And basically, Richard's team is waiting there for him. These like six foot tall girls and me, okay? And uh, <laughs> I just, just just made just made believe like I'm supposed to be there. And essentially, you know, as he left, he before he got totally envelope by his team and left i was the first person i jumped out i shook his hand and i stuck a note in there with the book and i go i'd love to be in touch and he just walked out like he just sort of yeah he just sort of he turned around and uh and uh that was it so i don't know i don't know where it's gonna go i don't know what happened i don't know i don't know if he looked at it if he looked at the note i don't know anything about the book i don't know anything richard branson if you're listening
1: to my podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) sure we can ask (sighs) wow but you know i think it's a fun story how I got to shake Richard Branson's hand, which is really cool and give him a note. But I think that that really also is, in my mind, really entrepreneurship, you know, mm-hmm. it's about showing up, right? Mm. This would have never happened had I not put it out there, had I not shown up. And even once you show up there, you know, if I'm sitting there waiting for him to just literally go, hey, Simcha, did you write about me that you want to come? To it's never going to happen, right? So it's about really constantly being aware of the environment, how to optimize the situation.
1: Wow. What do you think is the world's greatest problem?
0: Mm. Well, we talk about it in our book, Daniel. Thanks for asking. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we actually call it the world's biggest problem because very often people have so many different things as to what they think it is. And, you know, people talk about hunger or poverty or AIDS or all these different things. Unfortunately, equality. We basically break it down in the chapter as being one central thing, our mindset. That's it. Everything else is a symptom of having a wrong mindset. In other words, there's enough resources in the world. There's no reason why we can't cure sickness. There's no reason why we can't even cure age. You know, that age is a disease. We don't have to age and die old age is a disease and if we bond together we can actually look at it as such and we can cure it the stuff that we're doing now in terms of on an atomic level i think there's a lot
1: more sorry to interrupt but i think there's a heck of a lot more money in that than what you're doing right now we should just start this anti-age business i mean easy easily make billions if you ever
0: want to read a cool magazine it's called life extension they talk a lot about this and they're brilliant i mean they're phenomenal but i think i think that if we can just flip our mindset around, uh-huh. then we can realize that we don't really have as many problems as we think. We need to change the system. We need to allow more people to be equal. We need to fund more people. But there's enough resources nowadays. You know, We've expanded the pie. There's enough resources for everybody to be okay. There's enough resources that we can fund the right studies to accomplish whatever we want to do. We just have to just choose to want to do it. So uh-huh. how do you get people there? And I think hopefully, you know, the more that people just ask the right questions and develop the right mindset, the more we can look for things that really make a difference.
1: And what do you think it takes to make big dreams come true?
0: What do I think it takes to make big dreams come true? Well, I love the famous quote that we've all heard growing up. You know, if you're going to think anyways, you might as well think big, think right? Because right. there really is no difference, essentially. It's the same mental energy, right? So I think definitely that being focused on what it is that you want to achieve will allow you to be more focused in having it happen. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that stuff that opens up when we really focus on it. See, if you just sort of show up to show up, it's like getting ready to get ready, mm. right? Yeah. There's no power in it, right? There's power when you just decisively say, I want to go there and no matter what, I'm going to get there who's with me and how can you help me get there faster well now we have a whole conversation around a solution around getting somewhere Mm -hmm. so i think big dreams you know coming true is just the idea of knowing what it is that you even want in the first place there are people who are scared to dream people Mm -hmm. who are scared to dream big they have lots of reasons why they shouldn't they have lots of reasons why it didn't work out for them previously so i'm never going to do that ever again but i think that we just need to just keep showing up and refreshing our perspective it's okay to dream it's okay to dream big. And when you do so, let's start looking for the solutions as to how we can actually get there. Hey, that's how we got to space. <laughs> right. I have
1: one last question for you. Ready? Let's do it. What game are you playing and what does winning look like for you?
0: Oh, I see what you did there, Daniel.
1: You love it, huh? <laughs> for those that don't know what uh, Simcha is referring to, you've got to read to the end of his book to the question uh, questionnaire where he interviews other people.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly the questions that we ask them. <laughs> The game that I'm playing is a game that involves inspiring leaders to play a better, smarter, faster game of business and life. I play that because I'm just passionate about it. I just, I love seeing transformation in the world. I love seeing the difference that it makes. And what winning looks like, Winning looks like me showing up to do exactly that every day. Look, not every single day is a day where I'm doing stuff that I'd like to be doing. Stuff, you know, sometimes there's stuff that just needs to get done. Sometimes there's the stuff that's glamorous. Sometimes there's stuff that's not so glamorous. But winning for me is just showing up, knowing that I am exactly in line with what I'm supposed to do. And winning for me looks like getting getting thank god the emails and the social media responses that I get of people literally writing their success stories from playing our game and from reading our book. It reaffirms that I'm playing the right game. It gives me energy and it allows me to keep on keeping on,
1: on. Simcha, you are a true inspiration and I hope you continue transforming lives one game at a time. Thanks so much for letting me pick your brain and thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. Thanks
0: for having You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth.
1: So, to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.